0: What kind of world do we live in? The answer is exactly the world that the Apostle Paul describes in the Bible. It's the old self, the human condition. How wrong is our educational systems that teach us that people are basically good?
1: What? Utter nonsense. Welcome to the God centered life with Josh Moody. The heavenly places, that's the name of our series today's study called The New Self, looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. Josh Moody is senior pastor of College Church in Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, Josh, our previous session, we talked about truth and how it's sacrificed for other objectives. And it feels like Paul is keeping that theme close at hand as he's asking us to evaluate ourselves. And make changes accordingly?
0: Yeah, that is. The, 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 the theme of truth now starts to make its way through this next theme about the new self. And to, yeah, evaluate ourselves and make changes accordingly. See
1: who we truly are and who we are truly meant to be. New self, get the mirror out, might not be the easiest thing to look into when the scriptures tell us what we're actually looking at. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. Here's Josh.
0: So Ephesians chapter 4 and beginning at verse 17, let's hear God's word. The Apostle Paul writes, Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth of his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is God's Word. May the Fourth is uh, known for those who like Star Wars as the day that is Star Wars' Day. May the Force be with you or may the Fourth and that got me thinking about some of the Star wars uh, spin offs particularly the Mandalorian that some of you perhaps have watched i don 't know i 'm not by the way when I, recommend, when I reference a TV show or a movie or something i 'm not actually necessarily recommending it. This is not like you know like, like a sort of Parental guidance, this is okay to watch. I have no idea. Uh, But there's one particular theme in The Mandalorian where the main character, to be a Mandalorian, you have to wear a helmet and you can never take it off. And the phrase is, this is the way. But The Mandalorian, at some point in the series, apparently, uh, takes his helmet off and therefore he's excluded from the community. How does he get back in? And there's a rather the story goes, there's a somewhat sort of complicated process he has to go through in order to be allowed back in to be a true Mandalorian. What is the way for Christians and for the church, in reality, not in a Star Wars show, for anyone anywhere, to be in with God? What do we need to wear? What do we need to do? What do we need to say? What do we need to believe? The Apostle Paul, in his writings so far, has got to this moment where he's applying the truth that he's been teaching. And essentially in this passage, he has three steps that he wants us to make. There is something we need to put off, something we need to put on, and therefore. Some things we need to put away. Put off, put on, put away. First of all, he's telling us we need to put off the old self. In verses 17 to 19, the Apostle Paul describes the reality of what the old self is like outside of Christ. He's not saying that everyone who is not yet a Christian behaves in always awful evil ways. What he's saying is that in our natural human condition, there is a tendency towards a downward spiral towards increasing darkness. And in this downward spiral that uh, outside of Christ we all will experience, he essentially Identifies three parts to it, or three steps in this downward spiral. The first is a futility of mind, verse 17. He says, Don't anywhere walk like the Gentiles do, meaning those outside of Christ, those who are not yet Christians, in the futility of their minds. That's the first step in this downward spiral. He does not mean. That non Christians are less clever than Christians. What he's saying is that the truth of the matter is that if you're not yet a Christian, you realize that your existence ends at the grave. If you listen to how people speak, everyone understands this. What's the phrase? You only go around one time. That's the end. And that's true whether someone is very educated or less educated. The the reality is that we know that the grave is the end and therefore life is futile. That's the futility of mind. Uh, The notorious author Vladimir Nabokov, who is infamous for his horrible book called Lolita, at the end of his life wrote an autobiography that he called Speak Memory. And in that autobiography he described this futility of mind. He said... The cradle rocks above an abyss. Common sense teaches us that existence is a mere glimmer between two eternities of darkness. The futility of the mind, that's the first step in the downward spiral. You know that life ends at the grave. That leads, says the Apostle Paul, to hardness of heart. They're darkened in their understanding and they're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. What he means here is the heart in the Bible is not merely the emotional or feeling part of us. It is the whole center of who we are. And what the Apostle Paul here is describing, a decision that is made to say no to God. We sung earlier, I have decided to follow Jesus. What the apostle means by the hardness of heart is a decision inside to say, no, God, I have not, I've decided not to follow Jesus. And in the Bible story, the most famous example of this is, the, is uh, Pharaoh in, in Egypt when God's word came to Pharaoh and uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart. That is, he said, no, I'm not going to listen. And there's a great mystery there about the sovereignty of God and human responsibility if you're in Christian circles. You probably are thinking along those lines every time Pharaoh is mentioned. You think about, well, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, that's, uh, that's true, but it's also, told, it's also told us that Pharaoh hardened his own heart as well. Both are true. But the point is, in biblical language, to, to harden your heart is to say no to God's word. Of course, the great irony of Pharaoh hardening his heart is that he was doing exactly what God's word had said was going to happen. How ironic is that? God's word said that Pharaoh would say no to God's word, and when Pharaoh said no to God's word, he was doing what God's word said. The Lord is sovereign. But the Apostle Paul is really just simply saying here, they say no
1: to God. Current affairs seen in Paul's letters. We'll keep looking at this in just a moment. But first, a quick nod of the cap to all those who have financially partnered with us. This ministry is completely 100% listener-supported, so those who have shared of their financial resources to keep this gospel teaching going, we thank you. All over the planet now is where these studies are going, so you're part of a growing ministry. Our thanks. Back into Ephesians, here's Josh.
0: That leads to a final step in the spiral down into darkness that we're seeing in our inner cities and in our society today with increasing violence, sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Where does that come from? It says, verse 19, they have become callous. The word callous means literally not feeling pain. What the Apostle Paul is saying is when you have a futility of mind, you know that the grave is the end. And because of that, you're somewhat angry at life and God and think I'm going to say no to God and morality. The final step of that is therefore your conscience no longer feels the pain that it should feel when you do something wrong. And we see that everywhere today, don't we? Uh, people doing the most gross deeds of killing, there's just a shooting just this week of little five-year-olds shot with a, with a machine gun and... What kind of world do we live in? The answer is exactly the world that the Apostle Paul describes in the Bible. It's the old self, the human condition. How wrong is our educational systems that teach us that people are basically good? What? Utter nonsense. Open your eyes. There is an old self. Not that everyone is always as wicked as they could be, of course not. God's gracious favor constantly holds back our darkness in the natural world in the human societies and that is his kindness to us but the tendency of the old self is this spiral from the futility of mind to the hardness of heart to I will do whatever I want to do because life is short and I've got to grab it while I can very logical makes absolute sense from an old self point of view. the Apostle Paul is saying, put that off. Instead, second point, we must now put on something different. What do we need to put on? Uh, Verses 20 to 24. Well, here comes the new self. He says, verse 20, that is not the way you learn Christ. You didn't learn Christ like that. You're Christians. You're not to be like that. Assuming that you've heard him or taught in him. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to assume that everyone in church really is a Christian. As the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through these deceitful desires that I just explained, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on what? What are we now to put on the new self? Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Well, there are three elements that Paul identifies here about this new self, just as there were three elements that he identified about the old self. First of all, we must learn. That is not the way you learn Christ. Do not please think that Christianity is merely an emotional experience, there is truth. And to put on the new self, it begins with learning truth, not hugely complicated, overly intellectual, obscure, mysterious truth, but simple, plain truth. Uh, John Wesley, who uh, was the, the famous Christian leader that founded the Methodist uh, dom- denomination, uh, was Oxford educated, an extremely bright man. He published many books. One of the uh, series of books he published is a 50 volume set of uh, works called the Christian Library, uh, a devotional, a set of uh, excerpts from great Christian devotional literature, in the preface to this 50-volume thing, John Wesley said that our truth is not obscure, mysterious, and overly complicated. Our truth is the simple, plain truth of Scripture, namely, we love because he first loved us. It's not obscure and conspiracies and mysteries. It's not overly complicated, but it is something to learn. There's doctrine. Charles Spurgeon once said, he who is the enemy of doctrine is the enemy of Christian practice. You must learn something. What a huge mistake it is that churches have taken out doctrine from the church in order to be practical And then they're surprised that people are not practicing the truth. Why are they not practicing the truth? Because they don't know what the truth is. You must learn, first step. Of course, then we uh, spend time teaching the Bible. But it's not merely intellectual or doctrinal. It is a personal encounter. We must learn truth. We must meet Jesus. See how the apostle Paul describes this truth. How you were taught, verse 1, in him. Uh, Verse 21, you are taught in him, or as the truth is in Jesus. In, In the original Greek, it's a very interesting way he's phrasing it. You would think he would, as the truth is, and then he would describe some idea. But the truth for a Christian is a personal truth. It's the truth in Jesus himself. You have an opportunity to meet Jesus this morning. And to put on the new self, you need to encounter him. As as Jesus said in the book of Revelation to the church of Laodicea, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Here he is, Jesus. You may meet him. Or you open the door of your heart, of your mind, of your life. But the final step in the new self is the spiritual renewal, the regeneration. Verse 23, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This, of course, is to be born again. But when we use the phrase born again in American culture, it's often associated with a sort of political system or something like that. But To be born again is not an invention of uh, of right-wing politics. Uh, Being born again was not invented by Jimmy Carter in the 1970s. To be born again is a creation of God himself. To put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Do you have the new self? Have you been? born again as you all know I have a great familiarity with baseball and but I read in one place about a a famous baseball game and perhaps some of you will know it was in, in a world series game in the seventh game of the world series and uh, the final inning and uh, the last batter and the, the score was tied and the, the final batter gets up to the plate moment of great drama and he hits the ball and sails out of the park to a home run the place is like what well, you can imagine it's like whoa and he goes around and gets to the, the, uh, the home plate and the umpire Calls him out. You should be glad, by the way, I got that right. Last time at the eight o'clock service I thought that was out, but actually it's this that's out, so (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Why? Why was he called out? He never touched the first base. What about you? Here you are in church. Perhaps you know the songs. You've been to church before? Have you put on the new self? Put off the old self. Put on the new self. And then he says, put away the lie. This runs from verses 25 to verse uh, 32. He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, and uh, you see he comes back to that phrase put away in verse thirty one again let all business and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you. Uh, literally when it says here put away falsehood, it is not the abstract falsehood, but it is literally the lie. What the Apostle Paul here is teaching is that when we become a Christian, though we have the new self, we still have the, the vestiges, the remains of the old self with us. And the task of Christian discipleship is to become more and more like the new self and less and less like the old self. In a sense, a Christian in their own psychology and internal mind and heart is always at war that's not true with a non-Christian that's just the old self so if you're struggling with some sin or temptation or other it's a good sign that you really are a Christian because if you were not struggling you would not be a Christian that doesn't mean you shouldn't put it away but it's a sign that you have the new self We, as it were, are, um, in lloyd Jones's illustration, a person who has two horses, the old self and the new self. And our task is increasingly to ride the new self horse. Or as the Apostle Paul puts it here, put away the lie. The lie is that the old self uh, defines us as a Christian. Not true anymore. We're now defined by the new self which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Put away the
1: lie. That's Josh Moody, and this is The God-Centered Life. So we talked about learning. We talked about meeting Jesus. We talked about spiritual renewal. This is all part of the put off, put on, and then when we get together next time, we'll talk about putting away. Yeah. So, it, it feels like these elements all harken back to knowing and accepting truth, an underlying theme, perhaps, of the letter, that truth being uh, important here in Ephesians.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the, I suppose that's the putting away, yeah, the lie and instead, the truth about who Jesus is and the truth about who we are is the transformative tool for a for a, a life in Christ that becomes more and more like Christ. So, I, I think that's that's probably fair. It is, it is um, absolutely critical that we bring our lines, uh, our lives, increasingly into line with what is true in the gospel.
1: Mm-hmm. So, knowing. Uh, learning, uh, all of this sometimes bumps up against uh, pride, I would imagine. So, you know, it it can be a challenge if pride is getting in the way of really looking at ourselves in this mirror that Paul's presenting.
0: Yeah, I I suppose pride is always the, uh, if not always the enemy, at least often the enemy. Mm. Uh, if you if, we're not, if we
1: don't think we have a problem with pride, it's probably a pretty good <laughs> sign we do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Terrific. Okay. The, the third part of that. So we had put off, put on, and then put away, and we'll f- dive further. We just had a little bit of time with put away the law. We'll go further into that when we get together next time. Thank you, Josh. Uh, we're quoting here, our sexuality is a tremendous gift from God. However, we rarely see it. As a gift because it has been so twisted and tainted in our personal experience in our culture. There is perhaps no aspect of humanity that represents more pain and shame than than sexuality. That's taken from the book, Rethinking Sexuality, God's Design and Why It Matters by Dr. Julie Slattery. This is our offer this month, and we're getting close to the end of the month. We'd love for you to take advantage of it. This is a book that counters the conversations that are swelling within our culture and gives us a Christian perspective. Well, because Dr. Slattery says what you think about sex begins with what you believe about sex. God. She also says we're being sexually discipled by the world, and that's tragic. So we'd love for you to take advantage of this resource. It also helps us continue the production of these studies, and so it's a win-win. GodCenteredLife.org is our website, in return for a gift of any amount, we will send this book your way. Next time we get together, continuing in Ephesians and asking the question, have you tried being nice?
0: The old man has a malice to it is the opposite of kindness. And so he says then verse 32, be kind to one another. We massively undervalue the apologetic
1: of Christian kindness. Being nice goes a long way. We'll continue to explore that theme from the book of Ephesians, GodCenteredLife.org. Your chance to reach out and connect with us. And we'd love to have you join us next time, right here on The God-Centered Life with Josh Moody.